You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle. And I am your host. Chad Jensen with me, my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, a little bit of a uh, little bit of newsy. I guess, I mean, is it technically a report? I don't know. You have an insider saying uh, in a in a vocalizing, I should say, not in a written form, but vocalizing that Russell Wilson's ask on whenever that next contract comes, technically not negotiating right now, or they're not in contract talks or whatever, but He's, he's swinging for the fences on that next contract. Well, this story went absolutely bonkers on MileHighHuddle.com, Chad. The tweet I had about the story itself went viral with Seahawks fans getting all up in my mentions talking about how bad Russell Wilson is and how the Seahawks won that trade. And then it made its way to the national rounds. And then Mike Kliss got uh, wind of it and then kind of tried to walk back the story. But he reported a few days ago, very matter-of-factly, Russell Wilson's asking price on his next contract will be five years, $250 million. $50 million a year. And we don't know if it's going to be fully guaranteed, all of it, mostly whatever tied to the salary cap, but those are the numbers that Mike Kliss put out there. And when Mike Kliss puts numbers out there, those numbers mean something. The fact that he walked it back means something. But I don't understand, Chad, the hand-wringing over $50 million. First of all, the way the contract is structured – he probably won't get all $250 million. You know, see Mahomes, comma, Patrick, the way that uh, window dressing contract is uh, aligned. And also the fact um, $50 million in a few years will seem like chump change, kind of what Russell Wilson's uh, average per year now is, which is 35 mm-hmm. That seems way underpaid, but a few years ago, he actually made the most in annual money on his contract. So that's the way the NFL goes. That's the way the quarterback market goes. I don't understand the Broncos hand-wringing from fans and also the Seahawks dunking on the Broncos because of this report. He wanted, Chad, as I wrote in the story, I kind of buttressed Kliss's, whoa, Kliss's. I don't know what that was, but it's a Sports Illustrated ad, so go on. Taking, taking a shower the wrong way. I buttressed uh, that report with a report from last year where Russell wanted 50 from the Seahawks. And that was part of the reason Seattle was reticent to pay him. Part of the reason it led to the trade to Denver. So this is not new news. 
50 million is the barometer now, considering what Deshaun Watson got, what Aaron Rodgers got. That's the new market value. And that's the way it goes in the NFL. It's going to keep going up and up and up and up and up. Dude, it's so crazy because I can remember, I'm old enough to recall, wasn't all that long ago, Peyton Manning coming to the Mile High City and getting 19 million bucks a year. Five years, 19 million per year. That and that was that was big dollar bills, yeah. dude. That was that was big money. And here we are 10 years later, and not that's doubled. It's more than doubled. The value of quarterback in the league from a monetary perspective has more than doubled because that was a cutting edge. I can't remember for sure off the top of my head if that was, you know, top of the market value, but it was amongst the top of the market at the time. Broncos rolled out the red carpet. They wanted him to fill the the warm and fuzzies and all the love. And so they didn't want money to be any kind of a hitch in the giddy up, as it were. 19 million bucks. $50 million. Here we are. That was 10 years ago. Almost exactly. Crazy. Michael Ronquillo jumping in early with a super chat. What's going on, bro? It is great to see you. Love you. Appreciate you. Very generous. And especially, we want to give you unique, special props for getting that in early dude before we even went live you're just you're a legend my friend he says good evening chad and zach on the mile high huddle let's ride and go broncos yes indeed and speaking of the mile high huddle go get your guys go get yourselves one of these hats dude these these mile high huddles uh a little dusty i guess but uh check it out they're dope there's all kinds of new designs in the merch store you guys where we put a little video out on social media over the weekend kind of showcasing some of the new options that are available out there. And we got more coming, not only in terms of the different kind of designs and different kinds of shirts, but like designs, different designs. You know, you guys have seen these types of designs. I get it for a while now, but we got some new stuff rolling out. So go check that out. Brand new huddleuppod.com. Yeah, check that out. Michael, thank you so much. Every single podcast, your support is unbelievable. And uh, just know that we appreciate you. Hope you're having a good night. Yeah, so back to the subject of Russell Wilson, I mean, dude, it's that that uh, chicken will come home to roost. Lawrence says, what's up, guys? Have you seen Plummer is work on mushrooms now with the company? Oh, company? Jake, Jake Plummer, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, dude, Jake's always been kind of a hippie, you know, kind of hippie dude from Boise. Um, I mean, remember when he was your starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos, he had the beard, he had the long hair, and this was before beards became a thing again for dudes. You know, you had the beards in like the late 60s, early 70s, beards were a thing. But beards back then, Zach, they weren't like these perfectly manicured. Like one of my one of my really good friends, shout out to Alaric. He not only grows the long beard, all right, cool, but he like, you know, he grooms it and, and shapes it. And then the mustache, you know, it's one of these, right? Like one of the Monopoly Man things where like curly cues and specific oils to be purchased with which to, you know, you, it's like, I don't remember dudes doing that in this, in the seventies, but that's when the, that's when I remember beards being a thing. And now they're back, dude, but Jake Plummer, Hey, he's been, he's no stranger to, he's made it no uh, secret. I guess I should say his um, appreciation for chemical compounds such as THC and mushrooms, you know, Hey, doesn't surprise me. There are some really interesting data on, the medicinal effects uh, or medicinal benefits, I should say, of psilocybin mushrooms for what it's worth. And I'm not here to, I'm not 
touting that, Zach. I'm not trying to say that people should, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, seek out mushrooms for anything medicinal. I'm just telling you, it's a thing. They keep the mushrooms to cooking. And, you know, he's pretty smart, Jake Plummer, because he got in the marijuana industry years before it became a widespread uh, thing. So good for Jake Plummer. I, I hope he does well. I always remember him, though, not, not as a mushroom grower or a weed grower, but as the Broncos quarterback. And he was a damn fine one. He was my he was my number two all time emotional favorite Broncos quarterback behind only Elway. And even to this day, I think probably narrowly still edges out Peyton Manning from an emotional perspective. Like I just love Jake Plummer back in the day. I just loved his game. He's dope. Peyton obviously brought home the bacon, but you know what? Jake Plummer, hey, people sleep on how consistent he was for the Broncos. Zach, he came in as a as a free agent, took the Broncos, did nothing but win and take the Broncos to the Super Bowl or Super Bowl, the playoffs, pardon me, in uh, three consecutive seasons and then bad performance in the AFC title game 2005. Mike Shanahan goes, "You know what? Yeah, I've seen enough. I'm going to go draft Jake Cutler." Diamond Rattler, good to see you, bro. I think Jake Plummer was like, to me, the Derek Carr of his time, criminally underrated as a starting quarterback. And there is the emotional attachment, and he's forgotten about Chad. There's the Elway, there's the Peyton Manning, now Russell Wilson, but no one talks about Jake Plummer, and he deserves to be in that discussion. Great quarterback. But yeah, you know, as Zach mentioned, he's kind of on the cutting edge of these. He got in early before, uh, I can't remember the exact timeline, Zach, but right before THC became legalized in Colorado, like, you know, the political upswell, the political grassroots movement that helped kind of foster and create that he could see which way the wind was a blowing and he got his positions in to, uh, you know, capitalize, so to speak. So anyway, but it's $50 million. Zach, is there a price too great to pay for a quarterback? Because, you know, the Broncos, as it's currently, I can pull this up from, uh, Bob Morris's article, but the Broncos for 2023, as it stands now, will be over the cap, actually, with the contracts on the books. And that doesn't include a $50 million for Russell Wilson. Now, there's no imminent timeline on when this next contract for Russ might be. Uh, and even Cliss, in his protestations, is saying, hey, there's no contract talks yet. But $50 million bucks, what's he making now? 2024? 25 something like that Russ 35 or sorry pardon me 34 35 yes so but still that's almost you know what 35 40 percent increase on an APY perspective I mean that's that's gnarly it's right, so like how much is a franchise quarterback worth to you and you know I, the Broncos have searched for one for years now and they finally stumbled upon one they knew they were going to have to pay him upon trading for him that was always part of the deal and did the Broncos think he was going to settle for 35 or 40? It was never going to happen. He won 50 in Seattle. Whether he's worth that is one thing. That's an argument you can have. But if he leads the Broncos to a winning season, they go back to the playoffs, they go deep in the playoffs, I think you pay the man. I mean, again, $50 million, it's a lot of money. You can say it's stupid money, too much money. But in a couple of years, that'll be, if not underpaid, that'll be the standard going rate for an NFL starting quarterback or an elite one, I should say. I want to bring up this Bob article because it kind of gets into some of this stuff. Like, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's a good problem to have, in other words, Zach, figuring out how you're going to pay for a franchise quarterback. Um, before I get to that, though, I just want to give some shout-outs to the folks who jumped in early on YouTube, like Jay. We've already shouted out Michael. We've already shouted out Diamond. Mile High Mike, 
Uh, Kathy, what's going on? Good to see you. Phil McLaughlin jumping in on Facebook with some stars. And you guys broached the subject on Thursday night, right, Zach, about what the, the new contest is going to be yes. for uh, stars and Super Chat. So we're super, super stoked because, you know, we have our meet and greet coming week three against the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to host at the stadium. We want to see as many of you in the flesh as possible, just like last fall when we did it at the Jets game. But Zach, as much as we saw people from all across the fruited plain and all over the world, to be frank, descend on the Mile High City to come hang out with us and then, of course, go to the game, it it's not easy for everyone to make that trek. You know, first of all, tickets are astronomical. The price can be anyway, depending on where you find them. Uh, travel, I mean, price of gas predicted to get up to six bucks and beyond potentially between now and then. Um, it's just, it can be a little bit uh, dicey and, and a little bit too much of an ask for some people to make that trip. So what we're doing is we're going to take the top five uh, finishers on Facebook and YouTube in each month between now and September. So that counts for June. That counts July. That counts August. We're going to be keeping track of this. And from each pool, a Facebook pool and a YouTube pool, we're going to draw one name from each and we're going to kind of roll out the red carpet for the meet and greet. So it's, Hey, we've got your ticket to the game. We got you lodgings. We got you fed all day long with us. All you got to do is get yourself there. So for the people that are throwing down and supporting us and helping us out with stars and super chats, that's what awaits. And we'll still be doing the Jersey stuff and we'll still be, you know, finding ways to give back with little care packages of merch and swag and different things like that. But we're excited for that week three. It's going to be dope. Can't wait for it. It's going to be even better than last time. And we thought last time was incredible. So literally cannot wait. Counting down. Um, before we get to Bob, let me just grab Michaela here. Love you. Here, here she is with Michaela a Michaela bomb, bomb throwing down. Michaela. Elbow first. Well, bam. She says, I think players put their bodies in peril. In some cases, it shortens their lives. I think they deserve every penny they get. Amen. Hey, for what it's worth, and you know we love you. Thank you so much, Michaela. But for what it's worth, I am always, almost always, there are a few exceptions. I found myself sympathizing more with the team, not so much the billionaire owner, but with the team consideration. But I'm about the players. You know, they got a finite period of time, Zach, to uh, capitalize on their football playing career. And I want them to get it. And yeah, Michaela, it's not like even basketball, you know, even my my wife. Here's a good example. My wife played. High, she was a high school athlete and college athlete. All right. But it wasn't high contact sports. Obviously, she wasn't playing any tackle football. She was a basketball player in high school and a volleyball player. Uh, all that repetition, all that constant, you know, wear and tear. When I met her, when we we're, you know, in our 20s, her knees were shot and she never suffered a injury per se. She never had surgery, but her knees were, have just always been bad from that. Now take that, Zach, and compound that into a lifetime of these dudes. By the time they are done with the NFL, they spend all their teens, all their young manhood, and then into their 30s for a lot of these guys playing the most violent physical game on the face of the earth. Maybe, you know, rugby is up there like true Australian rules rugby, but nevertheless, it takes a toll. So, yes, we want them to get as much out of this financially as they possibly can if you know, they're, you're worth what they'll pay you. So go get what they'll pay you. And something else with Russ is it's probably his last major contract in the NFL. 
you know, he's 33 years old. He's not getting any younger. He's still, you can argue in his prime or maybe the, the, the tail end of his prime. He wants to get paid. And again, the proponents of the Broncos, those who wanted the Broncos to trade for Aaron Rodgers, knew that Rodgers was going to come along with a new contract. And those who didn't like it were reticent for the Broncos to give up all that capital and then having to pay Rodgers $50 million. The same thing applies to Russell Wilson. The good thing is, though, they didn't give up a King's ransom. They got out of the trade fairly well. But his contract, a new deal, was always going to be part of it. He was never going to play out the life of his contract, which only has one more year remaining on his current deal without being assured of longevity. He wants to play another 10 years, he said. So they have to align uh, his wants with their needs, and they need a quarterback. And if he can continue performing at a high level, they're going to reward him as they should as one. I don't see the, uh, the concern over it. Let's grab Andrew here. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate your support, as always. He says, what's up, man? Or what's up, fam? Man, they're doing Russ dirty with this with his let's ride, LOL. He is a little corny, but who cares? Uh, but is it a Super Bowl or bust or just playoffs or bust this year? So, Zach, where before we get to the playoffs or bust thing, because that kind of ties in also to what this article I want to get to from Bob. Um, was it any surprise? Was it breaking news to anybody under the sun that Russell Wilson's a little bit of kind of a corn cornball, a little bit just kind of corny and a little campy, a little corny? Was that a shock to anybody? And then when you get little uh, outtakes, Zach, of a guy trying to spit his catchphrase, right, and get the right for an NBC production, right? They're doing little clips and stuff. Let's write. It's going to look even campier. If you saw outtakes for some of the stuff we've recorded in the past, I mean, it's ridiculous. But that's the whole point of it. You, then you take it out of context, and the ridiculousness of that, Zach, becomes magnified. He can be cornier than a squirrel turd, Chad. I don't care. If he can win football games and throw touchdown passes, that's all I really care about. I don't care about slogans. I don't care about judging his personality off the field. What he does on the field, if he leads the Broncos to victory and success, that's what I care about. You want to call him corny? That's fine. The Broncos have a corny quarterback. The Broncos have an elite quarterback. Done deal. That is is what matters most. In fact, real quick though, because I don't want to forget this and shout out to Scott for uh, taking the time to update these rankings here. When we talk about the uh, now, wait a minute, this is all right. Yeah, this is June. Okay. We're jumping right into the, to the super chat rankings for the meet and greet red carpet treatment. Here you go. We're five days. This is day five of the month of June. DWI uh, guys, Ethan at number one, the Duchess at two, only going to be bolstering her position. Uh, Michael as well at three. D Porter's in the top five at four. Dale's tied with him. Dale Fleming at four as well. And then Dave from Georgia kind of rounds out the top six technically, but it's very early in the month. So we will continue to monitor this as the month wears on. But Zach, real quick, let me segue back to this Bob story, which by the way, phenomenal article. Guys, uh, go read this piece. We're, we're going to break it down and discuss certain aspects of this article, but you have got to go read this article. Headline, Russell Wilson trade is predicted to land the Broncos in a one-and-done playoff purgatory by football outsiders. Now, who's football outsiders? Real quick, there's when we talk about analytics sites out there, most people think of pro football focus, but there are actually many. The two titans of the industry, and you've got pro football focus, Zach, way up here, 
football outsiders probably like right here. And then there's everybody else like way below them. So they're not on the same level per se as PFF in terms of media scrutiny, but they're up there. They're up there. And they're uh, one of their lead writers, Mike Tanier. I'm going to quote Bob here. Tanier is skeptical about uh, the Broncos, you know, basically the Russell Wilson trade, selling the farm, giving up the first rounders, giving up the second rounders, all those three players, all that stuff in order to, essentially bring home a Super Bowl, right? That's the ultimate goal. So quote here from Bob, Tanier is skeptical about this. And as he anointed the Broncos, a team that is contending what he calls in the flat broke, no future wild card challenge or teams that might lose in the first round of the playoffs, then find themselves in a bad position for the future. So on this subject, he goes to Tanier. He does acknowledge that why the Broncos did what they did to get to the playoffs. Uh, basically, right? He says a team can be, this is Tanier, quote, a team can be aggressive and jumpstart its success right away instead of wailing and gnashing its teeth indefinitely, as the Broncos have done for six years now. As the flat broke, no future wildcard challenge illustrates, that aggressiveness comes with a great deal of risk. But taking the Broncos as an example, which would you have rather heard and seen from the George Payton, Nathaniel Hackett regime? Golly, this team has forgotten how to win, so let's twaddle with Drew Locke and sign some Packers backups while waiting for the stars to align at quarterback. Or, Russell Wilson, let's effing go, baby. Thought so. So he understands it. It is what it is. You do what you got to do to get the guy. All right? But then he goes on to talk about um, why the Broncos just might not quite be in a position as a team with the roster strengths and weaknesses they had before the deal was made to weather that storm of missing out on your first rounders and your second rounders and all that for what is essentially a two-year window. We can get into some of the nitty-gritty here, Zach, but what's your immediate gut reaction just to the notion? Uh, I'm not taking anything away from Bob or what he wrote. I, I do not care what Mike Tanier has to say about the Broncos. I don't care what Pro Football Focus has to say. I don't care what any of these organizations, ESPN, Bleacher Report, Pro Football Network, name them all. If they have these hit pieces against the Broncos, that's their opinion. We'll see how it shapes up in January. We'll see how it shakes out when the Broncos are actually on the field. This is all conjecture in June to fill the days, get some clicks, and draw some eyeballs to your to your brand. That's his opinion. Mike Tanier is entitled to that opinion. I happen to think it's incorrect. We shall see, though. So let's get to – oh, yo, what's up? It's Big Kevin Peterson. What's going on, Big Dog? Down in Florida, great to see you. Been one of our Super Chat superstars for a long, long time. And I'm trying to remember, last thing I saw on you, I don't spend very much time on Facebook anymore anyway. You're either getting married or you just got married. Either way, congrats to you, big dog. He says, if uh, this is a segue, if Rob Walton buys the Broncos, everyone can get paid. To a point, Broncos are definitely going to have the cash on hand to handle bonuses and whatnot, no doubt about that but they still have to contend within the strictures, Zach, of the salary cap. Yeah, the salary cap <laughs> that the Chiefs proved is ultra finessable. I'm not too worried about that. And, I, you know, beyond Russell Wilson, who is the next Broncos' major priority? Draymond Jones, Bradley Chubb. They need to devote the resources to taking care of Bradley, Bradley Chubb, taking care of Russell Wilson, committing to him. He's already committed to the Broncos for 10 years. He, he says he wants to play, you know, so they have to lock him down and – the cost of that, like I wrote, not even Rob Walton can roll that back, that cost. It's going to be astronomical. It's going to be a lot of money. Maybe not 50, but 
definitely upward of $45 million per year. That's the going rate. If you wanted Russell Wilson, you have to pay Russell Wilson like he is Russell Wilson. Dude, look how old Elway's looking now, dude. I know this is from the back. This is actually John Elway. Dude, is he's old, man. He's like my dad's age. He's up there, dude. Good thing they went and got a younger guy with some pep to a step here in George Payton. But I want to come back to this for a second here, all right? Father time is what, Chad? Undefeated, baby. That's right. Except for me, I'm going to live forever. Um, on the other hand, here's here's uh, why Bob talks about how the future that uh, football lights outsiders and Mike Tanier are trying to kind of foreshadow may not be that bleak. All right. But first thing here is he gets into the 2023 salary cap. So I'm going to quote Bob again. Now let's consider 2023 in the salary cap situation. The Broncos are indeed at 6.4 million above the cap for 2023. It's not a lot of room, particularly when the Broncos have no draft picks until the third round. However, it's important to note that the number, that number does not include any adjustments. 2023 numbers for all teams are based on a projected base salary cap of $225 million for next season. Not this coming season, next season. But that does not include any cap space that a team may carry over from 22 or any incentives players earn this year, both of which apply to the 2023 cap. So the Broncos, like other teams, may see that that uh, 2023 figure change based on, of course, what happens this year. Last thing, we'll start with 2022 carryover, which depends on how the Broncos set their final 53-man 53, uh, 53 roster, practice squad, and what players land on injured reserve. The first two could be reasonably pre uh, predicted, while the third is harder to foresee. However, a best-case scenario can be utilized by looking at the Broncos' actual cap for 2022, which included 2021 carryover. The base cap this year is $208.2 million, but the Broncos' actual cap is they're operating under is 219.6 million because after the adjustments from the 2021 carryover and the incentives that players earned, the Broncos got an additional little boost of 11.4 million in cap space. So what I'm getting at here, Zach, and I'm going to serve this back to you and Bob writes it out beautifully here is that even though it appears that the Broncos are not going to be in as conducive as not conducive is that in as advantageous a salary cap situation in 2023 as they were entering 2022, there's going to be plenty of room and still opportunities between now and then to work that salary cap voodoo. If you needed to get a $50 million Russell Wilson extension under the cap, where there's a will, there's a way. I'll always say, if you want to sign a player or trade a player or, you know, release a player, regardless of the salary cap, you will find a way to do so. I mentioned Kansas city. They didn't just lock down Mahomes, homes. locked down uh, Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey all big money deals, and they did so with less money than they had to buy a PlayStation 5, Chad. So the, I have no doubt about it. George Payton will have the Broncos in plus healthy salary cap status for 2023. For one way or the other, if he has to make some tough cuts, fine. The quarterback is most important. The team will go as Russell Wilson does, and you have to placate him financially. You have to lock him down. You can't have him on a lame duck for 2023 i am not worried at all about either the, the the cost of paying russell wilson or the broncos freeing up enough money to pay russell wilson it's kind of interesting when you talk about this team gonna go as far as russell will take them and i agree with you um as bob lays out here there's kind of like a worst case scenario you know it, russ is gonna get them to where they need to go but that can either be helped or hindered zach by two other factors which 
one of which we've talked about quite a bit on the pod, which is the coaching staff, right? Being first timers almost across the board, at least at the head coach and coordinator positions. And then also, you know, we don't know exactly what this defense is going to look like. All right. Vic Fangio's gone. A lot of the faces that opened on the roster last year are gone. A lot of question marks on that side of things. So when you look at exactly what could hold Russell Wilson back from taking the Broncos as far as possible, the defense is one of the top two potential wrinkles here. And so Bob lays this out. What worst case scenario for the defense? What could it be? Here's what he writes. Quote, Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb can't stay healthy. Baron Browning doesn't handle his transition well, which we need to talk about that tonight, Zach. Nick Benito struggles. DJ Jones turns into a free agent bust. Patrick Sertan and Justin Simmons are forced to carry a secondary marred by injuries and unproductive players. And Alex Singleton becomes the primary off-ball linebacker for the bulk of the season. So, like, that's how you can imagine the defense kind of torpedoing its way through the season. But what's the best case? Like, what if the stars align? I think this is this is good analysis here from Bob. Last thing. Gregory and Chubb. Here's the best case scenario. Gregory and Chubb stay healthy and are productive. Browning fares well in his new role, even if he isn't dominant. Benito produces in a, a rotational role and shows starter potential. DJ Jones proves worthy of his uh, three-year, $30 million contract. Caden Stearns, Ronald Darby, and others emerge to help Sertan and Simmons in the secondary. Josie Jewell stays healthy. And Jonas Griffith takes the next step, meaning that Singleton doesn't have to take a large role. Close quote. So, Zach, if that's how the football fates will it, I'm telling you right now. Even if it's half as good as what that best-case scenario Bob just laid out was, Broncos are going to be the force to be reckoned with in the AFC. I hate to nitpick, but that scenario can be applied to any team. You know, if injuries strike, players don't work out, players bust. I mean, that's the way the ball bounces in the NFL. Things work out or things don't. But I will say, when it comes to things like Baron Browning struggling, Nick Benito struggling, those would be coaching issues because because the coaching staff and the – General manager George Payton went to bat to draft Nick Benito. They move Baron Brown, and they can't help Gregory and Chubb stay healthy. The, the injury bug is is up, up in the air. It's not under their control. But some of those things are coaching. And if they made the right decision, that's the best-case scenario to me, Chad. If Payton hit on Nick Benito, I think DJ Jones is going to surprise a lot of people in Denver based on who we were talking to at the draft. And Baron Browning transitions nicely to edge-rushing edge linebacker. They're going to be – Perfectly fine. I mean, how many games last year under Vic Fangio were winnable solely because of the defense? As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. A lot more than they actually won last year. They've gotten better personnel. They've gotten better to me coaching. So I can't see barring injuries. That's the worst case scenario. The Broncos taking a step back. They're going to be better and they're going to make the Broncos offense better as a result. If the Broncos get a little bit of luck with the injury bug, especially on defense, they're going to, I think, they can, even if uh, Evero kind of bumps his head a little bit early on as a coordinator and a play caller on defense and kind of has to weather, and he will, he's going to have a little bit of a trial and error learning curve. We don't know how how long that's going to be quite yet, but it's going to be there. It's the first time in his, in his position, but the only thing I could see, uh, 
I mean, if he got if he gets just a little bit of help in the injury department and the Broncos are able to the key guys stay healthy on defense, I can see that defense becoming ferocious. Andrew says, with all the new, should we be more concerned with offense or defense? And with the outside scheme, uh, the running scheme, does my guy Pookie, that's Javante Williams, have more production than Gordon? Um, I think right now you got to be more concerned about the defense just because outside of Simmons, outside of Sertan, you could throw Chubb in there, but Chubb doesn't have the injury fortune that, say, Simmons has had his whole pro career. Simmons has avoided the injury bug. Uh, Sertan's only got one year under his belt, but maybe those three guys as kind of your cornerstone guys um, and a first-time coordinator who's never called plays. I mean, at least Nathaniel Hackett, he's juggling a lot, Zach, uh, being a first-time head coach. That's a lot of new for him. But when the game plan gets put in and it's time to call plays on game day, he's done that before, all right? So that's not going to be exactly foreign to him. I worry more about the defense and I do things coming together on offense because of the presence of Russell Wilson. And I can't see any scenario this time, barring injury again, here we go with the qualifiers in which Javante Williams is outproduced by Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Injury would be the only thing. I mean, last year it was a pure 50, 50 split and the rushing difference was negligible. Now this year, I think it'll be at least 60, 40 in favor of Pookie which means on paper he should have more yards. So, yeah, all things being equal, without injuries, Pookie should outproduce Melvin. That's the hope. And, yes, it is official. I mean, we heard little rumors, little hints, little this and that. But Baron Browning, it's official he's an outside linebacker. Now, could he be held as a, you know, last guy into the breach possibility for inside linebacker? Yes, but that's only if there are injuries. So if the Broncos lose a Josie, then the next guy, they lose a Singleton, and then they lose a Quint, uh, Jonas uh, Griffith, pardon me. Then all of a sudden, all right, we might need to look at moving Baron Browning back. But for now, this dude is a rush linebacker, and here's what he said about it earlier this – or last week, I should say. Quote, I kind of wanted to make the move, but they felt the same way, the new coaches. I don't know if this is something for just this period, meaning am I just playing rush linebacker for OTAs? Uh but I'm just making the most of it and working on perfecting my craft every day. And then Hackett Zach said, quote, right now we want Baron to train at that position on the outside and see where it goes from there. He does have experience there in college. So I imagine if we do get into a pinch, he can easily get back there, meaning back to inside linebacker. But we really like what we're doing with him right now, close quote. So Zach, what they're talking about is, and this is one of the things like if Baron Browning would have had position consistency from his coaching staff with the Buckeyes. He probably isn't a third round pick. He's probably a late first round pick, second round pick because at Ohio state, he was spread thin every year. He was playing a different position. And even during the season, he would start at one position and move to another one. He was basically moved all around the linebacker core up and down that front seven. And so he wasn't able to really hang his hat on one thing, specialize and all that. So has he played outside linebacker? Yes. Has he shown a propensity to play and be an edge defender? Yes. But let us, Zach, not pretend for a second that this is some secret weapon hidden specialty of Baron Browning. He played much more off ball in college, even though, again, it was spread around, than he did edge. I'm still very dubious about this move in terms of how it's going to, how it could, I should say, uh, impede his development as a very like encouraging, exciting young player from his rookie year. Like, I question the wisdom of this, and I hope 
I end up being wrong in the final analysis. See, what I hate, too, is the half measure they're taking where they can still move him back at the end of the summer. Then this whole experimental period was for naught. All it did was take reps away at inside linebacker could have made him a better off-ball player. So I was against the move at first. You've been against the move. I mean, I'm still against the move, but we have to trust the coaches. And they might not uh, emphasize, prioritize inside linebackers, but to me, you're okay there. Even before you drafted Nick Benito, you were okay. But are you okay at inside linebacker? when your top three guys are Jewel, Alex Singleton, and Jonas Griffith. Darren Browning rises to the top of that group fast. If Josie stays healthy and you get the same version of him that he showcased early last season before the injury, I'm going to be stoked about Josie Jewel. Like that was a high quality. And any of you that listened to or watched the Carl Mecklenburg episode interview with Tom Hall on Legends of Mile High on Friday, Mecklenburg, you know, he's stoked on Josie Jewell. He thinks Josie Jewell is the bee's knees. And this is a Hall of Fame caliber former linebacker who played, has the distinction of having started all of the different front seven positions, all seven positions while a pro, multi-time all-pro, multi-time pro bowler. He loves him some Josie Jewell. If he gets a little luck in the injury department, I think he could be, he was on pace last year, Zach, Josie Jewell, to like, really kind of take back the narrative on his career and like how he was viewed by Broncos media, by a lot of Broncos fans is kind of just like a, yeah, he's a Todd Davis that we drafted. That's, that's Josie Jewell. I think he has a chance to be even better than that. You know, he's a coach in the wings. He's helping everybody. He's a brainiac and he somehow figured out how to put it together from his run fit stuff. Cause he's always been good as a run defender and he showed out as a coverage guy last year before he tore that pack. So I'm actually kind of stoked on Josie Jewel, but I'm not picking nits in what you said about Baron Browning because I'm very underwhelmed by Alex Singleton. I'm excited a little bit at the prospect of Jonas Griffith because as I was writing a piece on him over the weekend, Zach, this dude started the final four games, if you guys can remember, for the Broncos when Kenny Young got hurt last year. He averaged, Zach, 10 tackles per game, Jonas Griffith. I want to see that dude on the field next to Josie. All right, if you're moving to Baron uh, Baron Browning to edge, whatever, cool. Let's let's give those reps to Jonas Griffith more so than Alex Singleton, who, let's face it, he was brought in more based on his third-phase chops on special teams than, than, hey, I'm a former leading tackler of the Eagles. Not to take anything away from Jonas, but like some of those tackles were because the, the running back broke through the Broncos' front line. They were so soft in the middle of their defense that the inside linebackers had to clean up against the run. But I'm much higher on uh, Jonas than I am Alex Singleton. I agree with you. And I can even make the case that Jonas excites me more than Josie Jewell. I mean, I hope Josie shoves it down my throat this year. The crow proves me wrong. I hope he has a good season. But to me, Chad, Jonas, excuse me, Josie Jewell reaching his ceiling is not as good of a player as Baron Browning reaching his ceiling at inside linebacker. And that's what I wanted. And that's what I hope we would get. And especially, you know, shout out to Dylan who wrote a nice article yesterday about the Broncos have a problem, a depth problem at edge rusher. You know, you have, but you have more depth though at edge than you do at off ball linebacker. So why are you taking from, if we're talking about depth and it might not be a lot of proven depth at outside linebacker, a lot of young guys and a lot of kind of college free agent guys, Malik Reed, Chris Farrell and all that. But why would you take from a weakness when talking about depth and put it to a strength? You need to kind of reverse engineer that typically real quick. Let's grab Kenny Wong. who has been a very patient boy 
Thank you, Kenny. We do appreciate that super chat. Connect with us on Twitter and welcome. Who do you guys predict will be the top wide receiver for Russ? Zach? Corbin. Tee it up. Yeah. Number 14. We've already seen it come out uh, in practice. Their chemistry is already pretty tangible, pretty real. So I'm going to say Cortland Sutton. He's going to lead the Broncos in uh, touchdown catches and maybe yards. But if there's a dark horse here, it's not Tim Patrick, who I love. It's Jerry Judy. What he can do as a route runner, what he can do in the open field, Cortland Sutton, though I love him, cannot do the same things. So I still think number 14 is going to dominate the Broncos pass catching room. But watch out for Jerry Judy this year. We shall see. I'll be surprised if it's anybody other than Cortland Sutton. I think the pecking order when the ball gets put in the air, I think the pecking order is going to be Sutton, Judy, Patrick, Okawebunam, and then everybody else. So for what it's worth, I just think, you know, look, Tim Patrick is a great story, and I love Tim. Seriously, I love Tim Patrick. But just from like a – draft pedigree perspective from a dollars and cents perspective from a, we really need to get something out of this investment perspective. The Broncos are incentivized to, to lean toward Jerry Judy a little bit more. And I think he's going to justify that this year. I really do. I think when you start seeing the ball going a little bit more to, to Judy than say Tim Patrick, I don't think you're going to go, man, how come Tim's not getting it? Because you're going to see Jerry Judy making plays because Russ Wilson's going to feed him the way he needs a, a guy like Judy can and needs to be fed so we'll see how it shakes out ultimately but i think it's sutton judy timmy p and travis good to see you big dog big t the the beauty of the broncos depth at receiver is that if jerry judy doesn't have a breakout season and best believe this is year three now it's make or break crap or get off the pot the beauty is if he's still on the pot or not crapping chad you have Tim Patrick pulling up the rear, pun intended. You have Tim Patrick as your safety blanket. You can do a lot worse than having Tim Patrick as your number two. You still have K.J. Hamler in that room. You have players like uh, <laughs> Seth Williams, Tyree Cleveland, Travis Fulgham, even Jalen Virgil, the undrafted free agent. So they're okay there, but we both hope and the Broncos hope that Jerry Judy finally breaks out in year three. This is why you come to your football priest for poetry such as what <laughs> Zach just dropped. All right. Dave from Georgia. Love you, bro. Bonafide Super Chat Superstar in the house. Appreciate thank that, you, dude. Especially during the offseason. I mean, we could really use it. So thank you, buddy. It says, hey, guys, offense, defense, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment. Your thoughts. Mm. Like predicting it, you mean, Dave? Um, hmm. I think uh, on offense, hmm, that's a tough one. I think it'll be something on the O-line, like, It'll be That's Lloyd, yeah. maybe exactly. winning the job and then just not shining, or Dalton Reisner continuing to kind of start solid as a rookie and then each year kind of regress. I don't see there being a big disappointment, barring injury, from any of the main skill position guys or Russ. Defense, I could think of a couple of different uh, candidates. Couple of rookies I can think of is Benito for disappointment and Dulcich for disappointment, but also maybe Dulcich for biggest surprise. Maybe Albert O for biggest surprise, considering everyone's writing him off. So I think you're right. Offensive line, maybe someone like Cushenberry or Glasgow could break out and be a surprise player. But the defense, that's where the uh, the high risk factors are, if there are any. Dude, Nick Benito, you know, as you've we've heard it before, some of the Von Miller comparisons, and everybody needs to keep those expectations in check. All right, don't 
mistake what I'm about to say as some kind of one-for-one -one comparison here, but Doc Bear, Emmett Smith, he had a great article also over the weekend talking about uh, Nick Benito as a focus of the piece and just his hips and his lower body and his, how bendy he is and how similar in that sense he is to Von Miller. Like sometimes, um, some people, I should say, when Broncos drafted Shane Ray, they tried to compare Shane Ray to Von Miller, but they were very different players. The only thing you could maybe say they had in common is when they were coming out of college, they're they're known as speed rusher guys as far as edge. Vaughn, though, had some power, and early in his career, he realized if he's going to have staying power, he's going to have to really uh, hone and develop that, that tool chest to have some bull rush and to have some power moves that he can throw. But he's more of a twitch guy. He's more of a bend the corner, speed off the, uh, the get off, and then turn the corner. And in that sense, you could say, you know, fast speed rushers, Shane Ray looked like Von Miller a little bit. All right. Still, you're stretching it. Nick Benito from a just from a body type perspective and just those hips, those legs and the way he can bend. He needs to get thicker down there. Don't get me wrong. Pause. Here we go with the poetry again. Um, but Nick Benito, I'm actually as we get farther and farther away, Zach from when the draft pick was made and closer to when we actually get to see it come out in the wash, I'm more and more ameliorated in terms of Nick Benito. I'm excited to see how he shakes out. And then we'll grab GLP. I haven't heard the Vaughn comparisons, but God, those are pretty lofty. And I, you kind of took what I was going to say. He has to prove Benito that he's not Shane Ray, let alone he's the next Vaughn Miller, because there's a lot of worries about that. Also, is he ever going to be good against the run? Is he ever going to be a full three down player or is he always going to be a DPR? Is that going to be his NFL you know, ceiling? That's what I want to see. As a pass rusher, I'm excited, but what else is he going to bring to the table to warrant making him the 64th overall pick? We'll see. Gary leads Palmer in the house. Love you, big dog. He says, hi, Chad, Zach, and Scott. I understand the take, but it's not really a fair comparison with last year's defense with a different coaching staff. Yeah, I mean – The are we talking about the same pretty much? Are we talking? Are we comparing? Is what you are? Is what you mean here, Gary? That you're you're comparing the comparison of Evero's defense to last year's D with with Vic? I mean, a lot of the same role players. The scheme is mostly the same. It's not a perfect facsimile, um, but it's dang close. It's mostly a verbiage thing. I think you'll see a lot more nickel run from this uh, defensive coordinator, but. Vic Fangio, for all his warts as a head coach, is considered to be one of the brightest defensive minds in the NFL. He's not in the NFL right this second, but he will be again soon if he so chooses. I mean, he is getting up there in age. Maybe he ends up down the road, Zach, deciding to take like a Dom Capers approach and doesn't want to be a coordinator again, just wants to kind of come help out or whatever, be a little helper bee. But this defense has a lot to prove to be as good as Vic Fangio and Vic Fangio's defense never came out in the wash the way we hoped it would like 2018 bears and basically most of his tenure in San Francisco never reached those heights. They just couldn't get to the quarterback consistently and they couldn't take the ball away, Zach. And then because you couldn't do those two things in clutch time in the crunch, you just ended up not ever really being able to make that one stop to win the game or whatever, but still Evero, if you're basing the defense off the bones of the Vic Fangio scheme, at the very least, Zach, that's a good starting point with the personnel that the Broncos have. 
So they couldn't come up clutch. They couldn't get to the quarterback, and they couldn't take the ball away. I mean, if you love Ben but don't break defense, then Vic Fangio is your guy. Then he's a mastermind. But they could have done a lot more, even with the injuries, with the personnel they had on the field the last couple of years. And what I love about Evero, what he's preaching, is the anti-Vic Fangio factor. He's going to take the ball away. He's going to get to the quarterback. He's going to send pressure. These things will behoove players like Draymond Jones, whose ceiling to me wasn't reached under Vic Fangio, and I think it could be under Evero. And we've had multiple players now, Chad, come out and say the defense is really similar. There's some uh, language differences. Uh, there's some minor schematic things, but he left a lot of it, Evero, in place because of so many returning players from last year. They've added better uh, talent. They've added more talent. They've added depth at certain spots. They're going to be as good to me, if not better. And especially in those areas, like you mentioned, interceptions, force fumble, sacks, takeaways, game-changing plays. That's how you win in the NFL nowadays. Juero, thank you for that super chat, bro. One of our great consistent superstars. He says, a little concerned that our wide receiver room is so stacked behind our starters that we're going to have a lot of good players cut to make room for the 53. Well, who, I mean, if we if we look at the Denver Broncos roster, Zach, as currently constituted, Goodness I'll pull objective. up. I'll, I'll pull up the roster here, okay, and I'll I'll organize it by position. But when you look at wide receiver, let me let me get there, and then I'll do a share. Kendall screen. Hinton is the biggest name in danger of being cut. Well, that's, that's what I'm it. getting at. Who are we talking about here, Huero, that could be valuable to this team, but could potentially find them? I mean, like really valuable. Tyree Cleveland, I'm not worried about it. Caden Davis, barely know who he Ooh. is. <laughs> Travis Fulgham, meh. KJ's going to make the roster. Kendall Hinton, if he ends up on the cutting room floor, charge it to the game. They we'll might always trade have. Him. We talked about well, that on Thursday's podcast, like Trinity Benson. They might flip him for a draft pick if you don't need I him. don't think he's got that, that much value, dude. Could and try. I'm not trying to be a stick in the mud. I really don't. Where's Jerry Judy call? making the roster. Brandon Johnson, who? Barely know about this cat, right? He's one of these one of these fringe guys. Timmy P making it. Trey Quinn, mm, barely know who this cat is, right? Similar it's thing. Jordan Taylor. Hey, it looks a Sunshine. lot like him. Uh, Cortland making it. Jalen Virgil, undrafted rookie. Montrell's making it, barring some kind of a collapse because he's, he's going to be the returner. This is the guy I would wonder about. Seth Williams and Kendall Hinton. Yeah. But... I think losing either of those, if you cut them, one of them's ending up on the practice squad, if not right. both of them. But I don't know. I, I think the guys who are um, supposed to make this team, the kind of earmarked for making the team, that, those are the guys that you're going to need. I don't think – it's not like you're, you're talking about having to maybe make a decision on cutting K.J. Hamler to keep Montreal Washington. Right. It's not going to get quite that extreme this year. Yeah, honestly, I'm more worried about someone poaching Jalen Virgil, who I'm high on as a UDFA, the speedster who heard he caught a big Russell Wilson touchdown pass. I'm as much as we talked about it on Thursday's podcast, Scott and I did. Uh, Hall of Famer Kendall Hinton, as as uh, much of a place he has in Broncos history for what he did in 2020. The fact of the matter is, the receiving room is so stacked they might not need and probably won't need his services, and that's the that's how the NFL goes. So I'm not too worried about losing Tyree Cleveland or Seth Williams. As long as they have their five, that's all that matters. Uh, indubitably. Real quick here. I, DJ Williams, so Zebulon says, there are outside linebackers that don't rush all the time. Some great outside backers like Darius Leonard or DJ Williams. But you got to remember, Zebulon, DJ Williams, he played uh, some Will and he played some Sam. 
in a 4-3 defense. It's just a different scheme. It's a different animal. Uh, Baron Browning talked about this. I can pull up the article again if, if I need to, but I'll just paraphrase from here. When he was asked, what is the biggest difference for you or the biggest challenge or whatever going from off ball to uh, rush linebacker, he said, being on the line. When you're playing off ball linebacker pre-snap, you're literally starting from the second level. So you can see a lot more. There's a lot more in your uh, field of vision with which to either, you know, key in on or understand what's going to happen when you're playing on the, this kind of a scheme, three, four based scheme, and you're an edge guy, you're basically a defensive lineman and it's very different. So for DJ Williams, outside of some underlooks that they played when he was playing Sam back in the day, it's apples and oranges. I mean, he was mostly a will linebacker for this team, then played some Mike later on in his career, but it's just complete different responsibility. Still in space, just not on the line of scrimmage and rarely rushing. The thing I can't get over, even if he makes a, a successful full-time conversion Browning to outside linebacker, how much is he really going to contribute? I mean, really, how many snaps could he play with so many other edge rushers on the roster when you pay Randy Gregory $70 million, when you draft Nick Benito in the second round? Where and how is Baron Browning going to fit in? We know at inside linebacker, though, he'd be playing probably all three downs. He'd be a full-time starter and more successful there, helping the Broncos out at their biggest position of weakness, as far as I'm concerned, right in the middle of their defense. We have to trust Everett. That's all I'll say. That's all we can do right now. Charlie, he says, let's go Broncos. Sending love to Broncos country from Orlando, Florida. Very cool, buddy. Broncos country, hey, it's not a geographic location. It is a state of being. It's wherever you are. And Charlie, you're in Orlando, dude. Representing. Love it, dude. Thanks for the support. Thank you. Uh, we're at 52 minutes. Man, time flies when you're having fun talking about the Denver Broncos. And this is true from GLP, by the way, Chad, real quick. He says, yeah. Zach, all true. And when the team is not really behind you, the, the performance will suffer. And that team was not behind Vic Fangio, you know, the, at all. That team was playing for each other, not playing for the coaching staff. Now that Nathaniel Hackett's there, Evero's there, even Dwayne Stukes on special teams, coaches that are excitable but have accountability and get the most out of their players, they're going to rally around those types of coaches. And that's why I mentioned Draymond Jones, Bradley Chubb, for example, players that were in the previous system, they are going to break out under Evero. That's the hope and that's the expectation. Greg says, go ahead and say it, Zach, death by inches. Many. It was death by, you know, 20,000 paper cuts. That was the Vic Fangio way. And it's just so ironic. He preached that, Chad, on day one, and then day two, all the way to day whatever, when he was fired, they died every single game for the most part. <laughs> they by died. Hey, so you just got to call a spade a spade. That's what it is. Um, Zach, I think we have covered everything we wanted to land on tonight. Exciting stuff tomorrow. The Broncos are back in the building. We're going to get some media availability. We're going to hear from Coach Hackett tomorrow. So it's going to be, there's going to be a lot to talk about for tomorrow night's show here. But remember, until the season kicks up again, there is no Broncos for breakfast on Monday, just Tuesday and Thursday. So Zach and I will see you here again tomorrow night, 6 p.m. out and all that stuff. And then Wednesday, you get beckoning the Broncos with Kim Becker. Then you get Mile High Insiders, uh, Tuesday, Broncos for Breakfast, Building the Broncos. So there's a few a few tweaks to the schedule, but when football season rolls back end of July, we'll be rubber banding right back into the mode we were in 
uh, all the way through the draft. So, but with two new shows and some other cool things coming your way soon that we'll be announcing with Zach and I here uh, in the very, very near future. Yeah. Thank you all for tuning in with us tonight. That was the Huddle Up podcast. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Great rest of your weekend. We're off until tomorrow. Same time, same place as Chad mentioned, six o'clock Mountain, eight o'clock Eastern. Until that time, follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account, all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, transactions, and more at Mile High Huddle. Be sure to follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some dope freaking gear, you guys know what it is, where it is, huddleuppod.com. Chad's modeling it. I'm modeling it right now. We are decked out. Go check it out. All new website, all new merch, huddleuppod.com. Very, very cool. And Facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page and follow that page. Guys, if you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football pre-save five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every month. But if anything, as you see ticking below you, please do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Amen. Shout out to these great supporters on Facebook tonight. Really appreciate it. Uh, starting with Charlie Young throwing down Lawrence Rivera, Gary Leach Palmer, Andrew Baker, and Phil McLaughlin on YouTube. Michael Ronquillo early, you demand, dude. Plus a super sticker he got in early too. The Duchess, Michaela Parker, Big Kev Peterson's been a minute. It was great to to hear from you tonight, my friend. Uh, Kenny Wong, Dave from Georgia, Huero. Vidal. Much love and respect. We really do appreciate that support, you guys. And for those of you, maybe you didn't throw down a super chat. Maybe you didn't throw down stars. We love you guys just as much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for helping us to contribute to the conversation and keep this a living, breathing experience here. Talking Broncos at Mile High Huddle. Much love and respect. Absolutely. I see in the comments a lot of Adamic uh, and Sue discussion. I'm pretty sure he signed with the Bucks, but even if he didn't, that deal fell through. I want nothing to do with him. They don't need him. They have very fine talent on their defensive line, but that is going to do it for us tonight. Take care, guys. And as always, Chad, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. 
They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.